welcome to Knock On Podcast, where we bring you archery information and education that you can trust. Knock On was created as a way to bring all archers together, regardless of the brand you choose or the style of archery you shoot. Knock On Podcasting will deliver professional insights to the latest gear, proper shooting technique, along with high-level equipment setup and tuning. Hey everybody, uh, welcome back to another Knock On Podcast. This podcast is actually following a live YouTube um, video that we did last night here in my backyard and I talked coaching, I talked about several different aspects and kind of gave you a whole bunch of information and a whole bunch of uh different visuals on a lot of different subjects main subject being uh, we started out talking grip position and you know I showed you by drawing on my hand exactly what that grip position was Um, and then also with these live feeds for those of you who aren't familiar with them you have to actually be a follower to the page so um, you have to actually follow the knock on TV YouTube page and if you are following that page you should get um, a little message saying that there's a live recording coming up and I'm also going to be I kind of try to advertise these uh, just a little bit prior to me going live so definitely be on the lookout for these this is a whole new extension to the podcast because it's going to allow me to actually show you firsthand a lot of these things that we're talking about we got into grips we got into stabilizers um, i showed you a little bit about how to set up a um, an ultra rest last night or something to look for i also showed you a way to slightly uh, increase your draw length with your cables. Um, I did some shooting, showed some differences on release aids, and then I also showed, um, talked about different ways to kind of get yourself out of a slump and focus on fundamentals with shooting. So, but as that live feed is going, and again, this is at the Knock On TV Facebook page, you have to be following it, um, and then for those of you who are listening that did not get to watch that feed, all you have to do is go to the Knock On, T- uh, Knock On Archery YouTube channel and just search John Dudley Live Recording Coaching Archery August 16th, 2016. If you uh, search for that right now, you'll be able to actually watch this video and hear firsthand the things that we're talking about during this podcast. But as the live podcasts are going, you're able to actually interact with me um, and literally talk to to whoever is running my camera at the time. They can see what you're saying. Um, we believe that not all the comments come through Um, at true speed because when we're done recording there's obviously a lot more comments than there is while we're recording so my plan is on the days following 
these live recordings, I'm going to jump on this podcast and we're going to talk through some of the things that I could not cover. Um, there's a lot of questions here, people asking if I'm going to be in certain areas or if I ever coach. Um, you know, John Webb had asked if I do any seminars in Oregon. Um, Mason Mueller asked if I ever make it up around lacrosse. Um, I wish I could get up to lacrosse because I'm I uh, one of my favorite little restaurants. There's actually two up there that I really like. I'm a, I, if I cheat, I like Italian food. There's two awesome Italian restaurants in lacrosse that I really like. Um, but I don't have any plans to be there. I don't have any plans to be in Oregon. Most of my coaching time is really taken away right now by uh, my friends at World Archery or uh, directly with Hoyt or UA. Um, however, I do know that I'll be at the grand opening of Dick's Sporting Goods, I believe, the third weekend in October in Houston. Um, I think it's going to be on the 22nd of October. I do know that I'll be there. Um, but we got another, a lot of people asking about um, my grips. A lot of this podcast or the live feed was talking about grips. So I showed you on my hand uh, the do's and don'ts for grips, but a lot of people were actually asking about the grips themselves. Um, and wanted a close-up of the grip. So the grip that I was shooting was actually a Rattler grip. I have very, uh, fairly small hands, even though I'm, I'm big. I have fairly small hands for my size. And just because of my target background, I really like a narrower grip. Um, for some people, it's I don't necessarily put them in that direction um, until they're really good at getting their hand in the correct position. The downside to a smaller grip is that you can get deep into the grip uh, just because you're allowed to really move your hand around in more spots. But the grips that I have are really nice. They're custom grip, custom side plates, um, really cool colors. I've got my logo on there. I'm sure he would do a knock-on version for you. I'm just going to throw his name out there. His name is Rob. Uh, he goes by Handsome Rob. Uh, it's Rattler Grips, and I'm just going to, right now as I'm talking, I just open my phone up, and it, I got, all I have is his cell number. I found him on Instagram, and it was uh, 979-320-4632. Again, his name's Rob, and super awesome grips. But I also like the plastic grip from Hoyt. Um, funny enough, uh, it's an aftermarket grip. It's not the one that comes on the Hoyts, or it may come on some of the cheaper Hoyts. I actually prefer that grip over the wood grip. It doesn't look as good on the bow cosmetically, but the actual position of the grip and the flatness of the grip combined with the overall size of the grip i really really like um i don't prefer the wood grip simply because i slide around quite a bit on them um, especially if i'm hiking a lot or I'm hunting my hand gets wet um, just because of the contour of it i don't feel like i i seat in the grip as good um so that those are the grips that i preferred and what i was using during the video um a lot of people, lots of people asking here about the knock to it. 
release and whether or not it's going to be available. So we do have more Noctuits coming. Um, there is going to be a bit of a wait for those. We just, you know, I'm... I'm forking out the money up front to order these things, and the last time, uh, you know, I wrote a check for these release aids, it was as big of a check as I've ever written for anything. So, and they were gone. Uh, it's a good problem to have. I certainly appreciate all the awesome feedback about the the release. Um, it's fun to see an idea that I've had that I've tried to get people to make for a long time do so well. Um, come here, Shades. Lay down, girl. Um, so, really, the next question that I've got here, and yes, the re sorry, the releases will be available. Sharon um, is kind of the person in charge of that, and as soon as we get them in, we'll advertise, we'll let you guys know they're coming, and pretty much once we tell you they're coming, we don't have any control over how long those are available. They may go up and they may be gone in a flash, they may be up for a few days, but as it's stood, they've been gone literally within, within a day or two. Um, well, the, f the first day, I guess it was six hours and the last time it was four hours. So not even a day. Um, but we will have more. Hopefully I've got enough coming to cover everybody. Um, I'm going to go through as best I can. A lot of people in the comments are just saying hi and saying what's up. Um, one guy says, get little dud in there to shoot. He was actually at the state fair last night, so he wasn't available to shoot last night. But I will have some where him or Sharon shoot. Probably get harder to get Sharon in front of the camera, but I'm sure I'll make it happen. Um, but I'm going to go through these comments as best I can, trying to scroll through them and find the questions that we weren't able to answer live last night. Um, First question I see here is from Mike Rousers, just asking how important is camo in a tree stand? Um, I don't think camo is critical during hunting. During a tree stand hunt, you're probably less likely um, to need it. The main thing with camouflage is, you know, animals see movement well. Obviously, if you're turkey hunting, you're, it would be very important because they can see in color and they see with magnification. But for whitetails or bear, um, I've killed a lot of animals with guides that have blue jeans and a flannel shirt while I'm sitting there trying to stalk and camo. Um, however, what I'll say is if the animals spot you, you have a way better chance of them not freaking out if you have some type of a deceptive pattern on and especially if your face and hands are covered your profile i'm a huge advocate to the under armor ridge reaper patterns they're um, actually scientifically drawn to not have a true pattern it's so sporadic that it's deceptive to the eye and I'm convinced on this. I've had so many situations where I've um, had a video camera behind me and I literally freeze the frame and slide 
um, the color saturation of the frame to black and white and I literally just vanish. Um, it's a very good pattern. The Ridge Reaper pattern, in my opinion, is superior to um, most of the patterns that are just sticks and leaves. Um, those patterns just start to turn very solid once you get past a certain distance. Um, but in saying that, I can tell you that for 30-something years, um, those types of solid stick and bark patterns um, definitely worked and definitely did good for me. So, you know, I don't think it's necessarily... Uh, you don't have to have it when you go hunting, but it certainly helps if something looks at you um, and you're able to then be still. You know, if you're up there with blue jeans and a flannel shirt, you're kind of a solid object at that point. Um, next question here is from C.H. Harris. He's saying, how often do I practice with gloves um, before hunting season starts? So, I personally like to shoot a very thin hunting glove. I don't like to have anything super thick on my hands. Um, I've just found that I, I actually use an Under Armour glove, like an early season thin glove liner. And, you know, if it's cold, I kind of really have to keep my hands in my pockets with hand warmers in there. But I just really like to be able to feel my grip and feel my trigger as well. So, um I don't really practice that much with my gloves, so to speak. I'm more likely to practice with a backpack on, with my binoculars on, my rangefinder, that sort of thing. Um, I do like to, you know, if I'm going to be wearing a face mask, I like to practice with a face mask just to make sure that I've got good clearance, um, even more so than the gloves. But the main thing is go out and double check and make sure your marks are still good with those gloves. Uh, versus without them just to make sure it's not causing you any type of torque with your bow the next question here is um let's see i think we actually answered that one um on on the thing um let's see john I try, I've used my new Noctuit release that you sent me. My arrows are hitting left. I can't get the string to the tip of my nose without moving my head. It feels like I can't get the string into my line of sight. I shoot, um, I shoot close to perfect with my wrist strap release. And does the twist on my D-loop from the Noctuit affect anything? Uh, please give me your thoughts. So... John, I've got a video on the Knock On YouTube um, Facebook page, or the Knock On Archery YouTube channel, sorry, and I'm just kind of clicking through here to see if I can find it, but if you do a um, search on YouTube for John Dudley Release Aids, um, then you'll see that I actually did a video. It's about, it's eight months ago. It's called Mastering the Release Aid. Dash John Dudley shows you some important tips. Okay, this actually shows you how to hold the release and how to anchor with the release. Um, you're also more than welcome to um, 
try to send me a photo or you know try to if you want just post a picture of you shooting broadside with the release on the knock on archery um the knock on tv facebook page and i'll take a look but you know shooting a handheld release versus a wrist strap release if you notice last night i actually shot on the live feed a wrist strap release as well i shot three releases during this live feed and i could actually utilize the exact same bow fit and peep height for each one of them um, when the wrist strap is set correctly now if you have a depending on how you used to shoot your wrist strap release it may or may not feel slightly different to you um, certainly your head position um, could feel a little different if you were used to anchoring a certain way with your wrist strap release without me seeing you that's pretty tough to say um, what I will say is with a lot of release aids you can have a difference in your right to left impact depending on which way the hook or which way the jaws open up on the release you can also if you're really struggling with this position for some reason um, and you're having any pressure on your arrow you can also affect your lefts and rights that way as well um, certainly get me a picture john and i'll see if i can help you out um, as well but yeah some of the next people here in the comments are saying that it, it could be the anchor for sure um, let's see pros and cons of a whisker biscuit i've heard this a few times now so i think the whisker biscuit for people who are learning for kids you know actually for anyone who's not really worried about performance out to a certain distance um, it's a good rest it's super easy to tune um, the whisker biscuit arrow rests are pretty foolproof and they really help correct a lot of problems because ultimately you're kind of just guiding that arrow and holding that arrow inside of a brush as it's going through obviously it's going to have more drag um, you know, it's a little bit tougher on veins than a standard rest because you're never contacting, you know, you're not having to shoot through anything with a standard rest. But um, a biscuit style rest for certain people are a good option. I actually, um, my my little tattoo buddy, Nick, that I'm, that's been doing the tattoo work on my arm, I got him into archery, and on his bow, I actually put an older biscuit-style rest just because it's really easy for him to to focus on my fundamentals of shooting and proper form rather than worrying about keeping that arrow on the rest. Um, I think if Sharon or Harry started shooting when they were really, really small, um, both of them started when they were pretty, co you know, well, Harry, I guess, would have been the only one. He had full comprehension and understanding when I was talking to him. So he understood what he needed to do with the rest. If it was a little kid, I think a full enclosure rest like a biscuit would just be a really, really good option because they're pretty safe, too. Um, cons, certainly, they 
have limitations to their adjustment and as they wear your groups are going to change positions um, and obviously there's more resistance and more drag on the arrow um, let's see yeah Corey was saying he's having storms in Minnesota and it's hurting his signal hopes he can watch later my plan is to always post these live feeds on the knock on archery youtube channel after make sure you're there's a couple things make sure you're following um the youtube channel make sure you're following the knock on tv facebook page because if you're following you're going to get the update letting you know that um, i'm going to be going live also as soon as i post a video which right now um, i'm posting a lot of new videos on the the youtube channel that's going to be a direction that I'm going right now um, with a lot of my videos. And I'm going to be schedule-wise, I've got a lot of scheduling or scheduled videos that I'm going to be doing uh, for YouTube. So make sure you're following. You'll get those updates and you'll be able to see these videos as soon as I post them. Um, <laughs> yeah, this... Dave McNally who said his 12-year-old daughter stole his knock to it release. Is there another one? Heard a lot of this. Chris Wall always has something funny to say. This is your landlord. Your rent is past due. Please mail. Thanks, Chris. Keep it archery, dude. Keep it archery. Um, let's see. Um uh, ben Thomas was asking about my front shoulder position and preventing it from collapsing. Okay, that was a question we actually answered during the feed. Uh, let's see here. I'm new to archery. Is there a shop out here in Colorado that you would recommend? I can tell you, depending on where you're at, um, the archery hut, Bill Pellegrino's archery hut, that is an awesome shop uh bill pellegrino is a very good friend of mine an unbelievable archer um archer and he has a great shop in colorado springs well worth the drive no question um i'm just trying to see if i can find anything uh here about let's see so Yep, the Archery Hut, contact, to contact them. I'll just give you, Bill and his wife both have done an awesome job with this shop. It's fantastic. I went out there last year, um, and actually, I forget what, I think he had like a, I don't know, 10 or 20 year uh, reunion type thing out there, or um, store um, grand opening or something, but the number is 719-638-0554, and again, it's Bill Pellegrino's Archery Hut, and it's a tremendous shop, great shop, great guy, one of the best archers I've ever shot with, and uh, super, super worth your time if you're out there. Call ahead of time. Tell them how far you're going to be coming from. Tell them, tell them that John Dudley sent you and you're a close friend of John's and that you really need time 
to get set up properly. Let's see if they fall for that when all of you call. Um, let's see. Okay, so Lawrence uh, Loma, I believe, is asking, um, how do I always make sure my front shoulder is in this downward position, um, low and down? So we talked a lot about front scapula position and the importance to that front scapula for the shot. And um, I plan on bringing out some different types of exercises that people can do to try to maintain that scap positioning. Um, super critical that you try to incorporate exercises. You know, a lot of people go, if you are a person that is into fitness, a lot of people are going to the gym, they just focus on bench and curls uh, or the really dumb looking uh, leg squeezer machine or the stand up lat cr or uh, ab crunch machine. All that stuff is. Um, it's cool, I guess, for walking around, but, you know, when it comes to practicality of archery, you know, different exercises, including your, that utilize your back and your scapula positioning are really, really important. Um, I'm actually going to be working with the guys at the Onnit Academy to develop a very, very cool um exercise routine specific for archers this is going to be really cool something to look out for um, hopefully we'll have something done here within the next few months i think that i think all of you out there um, are really going to like that let's see um, uh, robbie wright is saying here and again sorry that i'm kind of stumbling along but i'm reading this live i'm trying to look through these this feed and and pick out these questions um going to robbie's saying going to schedule shoulder surgery in november after bow season um how long did it take you to realize that you would need to shoot one season with your mouth i hope that my rehab is quick and i can get ready for the next season i'll have ten and a half months ten and a half months is going to be perfect um i actually got my surgery done the F february 3rd I believe um, I blew my shoulder out and it was December. It took me, I actually like looked at three different doctors um, before I made my decision on who I wanted to go with. Um, it, I was pretty much interviewing people. So the main thing is, as tedious as it's going to be, just really stick to that PT really stick to all of the especially the stretches anytime you have a show a shoulder rebuild the stretching and the tedious little um aspects of the the rehab and stretching and elongating that those um connections are going to be absolutely critical a lot of people try to cut the corners a few doctors told me they could have me shooting within a month or two um, those were the doctors I avoided. I, you know, I hear a lot about people having surgery and then uh, having some type of a disaster, uh, having a problem thereafter. And I can tell you that taking it slow and steady is going to be important. And for me, my left side is actually stronger than my right side. I still have a little bit of problem um, engaging certain muscles within my scapula movement. 
Um, but this physical therapy that I was doing with these guys, or I should say the movements that I was doing with the guys that on it, it was actually a form of physical therapy. It was starting to help connect my mind and muscles again um, and really get some of those kind of stubborn muscles to work again for me. So I think if you do your surgery, one, you're going to have plenty of time uh, before next season for sure. But hopefully by then I've got this uh, some of these strength exercises done. And they're going to be pretty low impact. They're going to be things that I, I'm sure you're going to be able to do um, once you're able to start moving some weights again. These will be great exercises for scapular movement, scapular rotation and stability. This will be totally perfect for you. So make sure you're looking out for that. Um, otherwise, another thing you can do is I can tell you, depending on where you're at, I was down with the Onnit Academy. I actually booked some time with uh, Sam down there and you can you can actually follow sam he has some awesome movements um sam's it's actually s um i don't know how to pronounce his last name but it's p o u i'm sorry so it's s p o g u e 86 um that's his instagram account um and I can tell you that he's got some really, really dynamic, really, really cool movements on his Instagram page. Uh, but he would be a great person to reach out to and maybe see if he can give you some movements that, that could help you as well throughout that rehab. Or if you're close to the Audit Academy, I had to fly down there, but it was well worth uh, the plane ticket for me to get down there because I learned so much just in a matter of uh, three or four days. Um, there's a question here. Um, let's see. How do I get my arrow to hit dead center with the four fletch? I actually made a shot. Um, David Mason asked that. I made shots last night with four fletch, three fletch, um, with a number of different arrows just to show you. Um, you shouldn't really have that much of a difference with a four fletch. If you are having a huge difference where it impacts, then there's a good chance you're actually contacting something either on your rest or your strings or your cables or something like that, David. So kind of keep an eye out for that. But um, really, your left and right um, should should be minimal for adjustment. Now your highs and lows, depending on the type of vein you're already shooting, that can vary simply because of drag, which is what I talked about last night. Um, let's see. I got a let's see a question here. Uh, Zach Wright said I had a bumper sticker that I missed my X, but my aiming is getting better. It's, Hey, that's a good one. Um, let's see. Got thanks, Brian Bronco, for answering a lot of these. Um, some of the, Ryan is so active with our page and good friend. Uh, probably texts me more than any person I know. Sorry, dude, it's true. But um, 
he's able to answer a lot of your guys's questions on here for small stuff of where can I get this or where can I get that um let's see here um uh, Ian Franklin's asking shooting a wrist strap with your tension style I feel like I need to shorten my draw length is this common so last night when I was shooting um, my wrist strap I showed you that um, I like to grab around the release and pull back with my finger behind the trigger I bring my knuckle um, that my index knuckle to my earlobe then I wrap my finger all the way around around the release almost 280 degrees around that trigger and from there I relax my ring finger my middle finger my pinky and my thumb I kind of relax those so that I have just my index finger completely curled around that trigger and then I just slowly start to pull 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 until it fires and yes most release aids are going to be too long the actual shank of the release or the strap of the release they're very long to where when people have their bow fit properly to where it stops at the corner of their mouth they find that their anchor is actually further back behind their ear and i really don't like that i like having a release aid that allows you the option to adjust the length of that release because everybody's hands are different lengths also if you're shooting with gloves sometimes or if you have a depending on how much uh like um shirts or long sleeve shirts or long johns you have around your arm sometimes a wrist strap can be difficult to get the tension around your wrist the exact same so the length is the same and with that said that's really why I don't prefer a wrist strap release I don't like the inconsistency on my wrist I don't like how it feels if I need to shoot a glove or if I've got a lot of bulk around my sleeve um, during colder weather um, and a lot of the a lot of the wrist strap releases out there just don't have good trigger movement either which uh, kind of is a downside for me so that's why I prefer the handheld I also don't like climbing ladders with wrist straps or crawling around in mud with the wrist strap releases um, that's just my my personal opinion so try to find one where you can adjust that strap and yes, you most likely will need to shorten it because most people don't have it um, short. Let's see. Um, still looking through these. Uh, a good wrist strap release recommendation. People are asking. I know I think I answered it during the feed. Um, I personally like the Carter. Um, I like the Carter. There's several different ones. The ones I was shooting last night was actually the Carter Lucky. Um, or get lucky it might have been called I really the like mic is good um, the two shots good um, the RX1 is all good even the quickies good the quickie is actually a, a great little release but it's very 
uh, light on the trigger. I like to have a trigger that's set to where I can get my finger around it without necessarily having it go off. Um, so that's that's what I like. I don't like a trigger where as soon as I'm by it, it's going to end up firing. Um, let's see here. Hopefully that helps you, by the way. Um, we had... There's a lot of conversation going on here about Robbie's shoulder. A lot of people chiming in. Um, let's see. Just got my Carbon Defiant 34 last night. Got it tuned up and ripping veins off. That's what Blaine said. Um, that's awesome. I've heard that story plenty of times. Let's see. Uh, Andrew Davidson says, You, Cam Haynes, Joe Rogan have inspired me so much to learn. Thanks for helping let me find out uh, something for once. Uh, appreciate you, Andrew, saying that. Let's see here. Um, Jordan Harrop is talking about um, he's having trouble tuning perfect bullet holes. All of his arrows are going different ways. Let's see. We answered that question last night. Um, Jeremy uh, Passanault is asking or saying, I have chronic shoulder problems wondering if you know anyone who's had success switching from right-handed to left-handed um there's certainly i know people who have had success switching back and forth without a question um if you've got chronic shoulder problems i don't know if they're in relation to archery if they are in relation to archery then you really want to look at your actual draw length and your positioning because at the beginning of that video when I talked about hitching and compressing your front shoulder up um, which is like a shoulder collapse is what I call it um, anytime your shoulders collapse and it's compressed up against your neck or if it's compressed back with your scapula straight back against the spine um, both of those movements will create some shoulder tension and soreness and will eventually develop into chronic pain you really need to focus on keeping that front shoulder down and forward um, just as i've talked about now if you have um, shoulder injuries or chronic shoulder problems before you're an archer for something non-archer related um, then yeah most certainly you can certainly uh, switch hands the main thing is you'll have to also pay attention to your eye dominancy if you're right eye dominant but then you switch to left-handed you're going to have to cover your right eye in order to shoot properly let's see um tips on single pin slider sight um tips on a single pin slider sight and anchor point to make proper ghost ring brandon's asking that not quite sure what you're referring to there if you're talking about um trying to make a perfect eclipse um when you're looking through your peep you have a circle you want to always make sure when you look through that peep that the circle of your peep is perfectly aligned with the circle of your front sight housing um there's a number of ways uh 
to make sure that you're doing that. Obviously, your head position, you're able to move your head slightly around to make that eclipse happen. Um, no different than if you're looking through a rifle scope. You have to make sure that your eye relief is at a certain distance so that you've got the perfect image through that scope. Um, what I really like to do is focus on having a bow that's fit properly to someone where that string is coming to a stop at the corner of their mouth when their head is in a vertical position and you really need to get a bow where you don't necessarily have someone put the peep in it first this is a very common mistake a lot of shops will just put a peep in the people's bow strings and just kind of put it at an average height of like six inches and then people pull back and in order to look through their peep sight their anchor position changes and this is the wrong way to do it you want to be able to pull back and anchor in the positions that i talked about which you know earlier in this podcast i talked about that video that i've got on mastering the release aid um you want to be in that position and then you want to be able to adjust your head so that the tip of your nose is on the bowstring, and when it is on the bow, tip of the nose is on the bowstring, then your peep should be adjusted up or down on your string so that you can get that perfect eclipse. Um, let's see here. Uh, Jim Brown was asking, how do I calm my nerves um, when you're on a shooting line or when a big buck walks in? So... Jim and everybody else for that matter these two things go hand in hand um, my nerves on a tournament line and my nerves on a big buck are both really coming from the exact same derivative they're coming from the same place and the reason I really got into competitive archery was so that I would actually condition myself to be more composed during uh, a hunting situation where I was maybe um, kind of having the possibility to get buck fever or if you've ever experienced buck fever a few times you know that it's really no different than being in your first shoot off competition or a competition shoot off I just I really like to throw myself into those elements so that those elements are actually easier for me to manage simply because I've experienced them more. Um, experience is a very important part of being smarter with your emotions and with your, your mental strength. And the more you can put yourself into those elements, the easier those elements are going to be because you're going to get used to them. You know, it's kind of like the first time someone put you on the bike, you had a huge adrenaline rush. And, you know, I remember the first time uh, I had my training wheels off and, you know, my dad was kind of running behind me holding the bike seat. And then when he let it go, you know, I was sitting there pretty scared i remember my heart's beating i didn't want to stop i just wanted to like stay i didn't want to fall i didn't want to wipe out i just wanted to keep pedaling so that i could stay vertical and you know now i look at myself i just jump on my bike and pedal i never even think about any of that stuff the same is true with archery the reason i love competition archery and the reason i really f try to talk people into um, shooting with people that are better than them or going to some tournaments or getting involved with clubs 
um, is simply because you'll put yourself into those pressure situations more often and you're going to be able to help yourself deal with those simply because you've conditioned yourself. Now in saying that, the one thing that I think is critical that a lot of people overlook is consciously thinking about a shot process all the time, each and every arrow, especially when you're in a hunting situation. A lot of people make the mistake of uh, shooting shooting animals in the racks. You know, this is, a, I talk to a lot of outfitters, it's very common people shoot the horns on animals because that's where they're looking and that's all they're focused on. Whereas if you're focused on the actual parts of your shot routine that are important, your stance, your grip, your shoulder position, your anchor, your peep, um, getting on the trigger, you know, making sure your scope and your uh, peep sight are perfectly eclipsed, your level, your bubble on your level is level, you got your pin on the target and you're pulling through that shot. If you can really occupy your thoughts with that process rather than just letting all that happen and just looking at the deer and wanting to put your pin on the target and shoot, then you're way less likely to trigger that fight or flight buck fever reaction which a lot of people get as soon as they start thinking about this is the biggest deer i've ever shot um i don't want to miss you know i don't want to miss that deer what are can't you know my friends are going to freak out when they see this thing um just all those thoughts that go through your mind like that just the simplest of thoughts will trigger that um and end up being a negative thought and it's going to trigger a fight or flight or that buck fever reaction so focus on the process and also try to condition yourself put yourself in elements where you condition yourself and you're going to definitely be better off um let's see matthew pauls is saying how do you deal with lifting a ton and keeping great form i found i find myself with bad form right out of the gate after a good lift well certainly if you're if you're going out and you're lifting doing a big session in the gym and then you're uh going to the archery range those are two very opposing things you know you're talking um explosion movements uh, versus stability and steadiness so you know they're they're kind of polar opposites um, I really like to do my training at a separate time than I shoot if I'm gonna if I shoot in the morning or if I you know for example I'm gonna I'm actually gonna be the uh, I'm gonna do both today so uh, right now it's still 6 a.m so I'm gonna shoot as soon as i'm done with this i'll shoot for a while and then i'm going to go and i'll do my workout and then i won't shoot immediately following my workout i will shoot again tonight um, so if you're lifting after work then i would say try to try to shoot in the morning before you know right when the sun comes up it's one of my favorite times to shoot um i've actually got a pair of uh, Gore-Tex fat tire boots right by my back door because every morning I'm out there mopping dew 
shooting some arrows when the sun first comes up it's always a very calm part of the day and I'm able to uh, kind of start out with my mind clear too it's a great time for archery because your mind's clear the end of the day you know yesterday during our during the live feed we talked about how do you uh, deal with shooting when some days you just aren't shooting good and you know that you're capable better well and I talked about a lot of that has to do with your your mental state where your mind's at and towards the end of the day is always going to be a harder time um it's great for practice because it you know it really makes you focus on clearing your mind which is a good it's actually a good technique um something that's important to learn is how to actually go into something like archery with a very full head and be able to to clear that stress and get rid of that stress in order to shoot properly but i'm not a big advocate of shooting right after a lift i think you'll start to incorporate um, some poor habits Um, you're not going to be as steady a lot of people really struggle with not being steady on a target Um, and if you're not steady on the target the next thing that happens is you start to want to make the shot happen you want to start hitting the trigger and you just start to incorporate these negative techniques and you start implementing and imprinting poor form and poor judgment calls. So I would say separate those lifting and shooting times, Matt, and you're going to be way, way happier. Um, let's see here. Um, Simon... Balnozen is saying my draw length is well says his draw length is 37 inches but I find that's too short should I leave it or notch up up a little well I'm pretty sure you mean 27 inches not 37 and without seeing you it's hard to tell buddy that's the thing some of you know a lot of people send me questions about what arrow should I use I don't particularly like to answer that question. There's so many variables. Um, I kind of give you all the tools to do that. The knocked and ready to rock segment that I'm doing this year, that I'm you know I'm releasing a new um, episode every week on the Knock on Archer YouTube channel, and also with that, there's a new knocked and ready to rock segment on Arrow Build. So for all you out there, that is definitely going to be the go-to release. Um, or go to uh, video for arrow building and arrow selection. But in regards to this, without seeing you exactly, it's hard to say. But one thing I can tell you is a lot of people spend a lot of time focusing on, well, I don't know if I'm a 27 or a 27 and a half, or you know, I, I kind of need my draw length right at 27 and a quarter. You know, these are very, very specific things. And the position of your front shoulder can actually change your draw length probably two to three inches. The position of your release hand can also change your overall length um, as well. So the flatter your hand is when you hold your release, um, obviously the more lengthened you will be. And then if you curl your fingers and start to make a fist, you're going to shorten your draw length and bring everything up. So 
I can tell you that having your front shoulder position down and forward and that release hand flat is going to really solidify the same posture and same length on your overall feel um, each and every time. If you're changing your shoulder position at all or if you're making a fist on the release sometimes, then you're changing that continually. So um, I think you can fit into any bow if you feel like it's just, well, one, without seeing you, I can't tell if you should have it longer or shorter, but um, maybe next time post a little picture and I'll tell you what I had. Um, let's see. Um, some Kyle uh, Rope is saying, I'm shooting 51 pounds currently. Is it a big deal or a big difference going up to 60? Um, I know 51 is still good for big game animals. So there's certainly going to be a difference between 50 and 60 pounds when it comes to penetration, when it comes to um, the momentum that you can have with your arrow, arrow and also your ability to shoot a heavier arrow. Um, I actually did a test. Um, Joe Rogan and I um, got some ballistic gel and did a bunch of shooting. And sometime here, I need to get these videos loaded. Him and I did some different uh, ballistic gel shooting with broadheads. And there was a noticeable difference between my bow, which is in the high 60-pound range, versus Joe's bow at 80 pounds. I mean, a tremendous difference in penetration so there's certainly going to be a difference between 51 to 60 however if you can't manage that weight then i would argue whether or not um, it is truly better because if you're not able to make as accurate of a shot then having the extra kinetic energy or having that heavier arrow might not even be a benefit for you if you're struggling to draw it, if you're struggling to hold it back for that sort of thing. Um, but if you can handle it, then I would certainly do it. Now, if you're, especially once you're closer to tar um, hunting season and maybe you're not going to be shooting as much. Now, if you just enjoy shooting a lot of arrows uh, during the summertime, uh, then shooting a lower weight is definitely a lot more manageable. I really like to shoot a lot during the spring and summer. So I normally shoot on my target bows. They're all shooting right at about 58 pounds. Um, my hunting bow, right now I'm shooting about 60, 65, 66 pounds. Um, but I do plan on going up to a 70-pound bow here in the next week or so to kind of get things going for, for hunting. Um, let's see. I'm going to go with one more question here. Um, we've got quite a few on here, um, but I'm just going to, I'm going to stop it with this one um, just because we're getting right at the one hour mark. But Justin Holiday, you're the winner of the last question for today. Um, you're asking when you're out hunting and you can't get the right stance, do you pursue to bend at the hips? Um, let's see. It doesn't totally make sense. Do you pursue 
to bend at the hips to be able to make a clean shot. Well, um, I guess my stance and my hip position are kind of two different things for me. Um, if there's hunting situations where I can't really get good footing, you just have to do your best. Um, I certainly know that if I'm in a hunting situation, especially a spot and stock situation, I really try to focus on getting my base and getting stable um, before I need to, like for example, on a spot and stock um, spot and stock hunt or something. I really like to try to, if as I'm moving, I'm always thinking about if I need to draw and make a shot you know whether or not my footing is in the correct position if you're going in a way to where you're you know you're turning yourself to where if you had to make a shot and you're shooting across your body um, that's going to be a bad situation so a lot of times as I'm moving and as I'm slipping ahead I'm trying to keep myself with my stance in the direction that I need just in case I need to make that shot now in relation to bending at the hips if you're talking about shooting from an elevated position or if you're having to make an elevated shot, I certainly go through the same exact um, draw cycle as what I did last night in the video. You know, raising the bow arm, drawing that release hand back to the face. The bow arm is pointing at the target. It's I literally lift my arm straight up. I point my bow at the target and then only draw the release hand back. I'm not doing a push and pull motion, but once I get to full draw and I anchor and then I adjust my head so that I'm looking perfectly through my peep, at that point I would bend at the waist to acquire the target, whether a target is above me um, or below me. So let's see. I might just answer a few more questions here. Um, C.H. Harris is asking, is a 500 grain total arrow weight too much for whitetail um, as far as speed, FOC? And, uh, I don't think there's such thing as too much. I shot a 508 grain arrow for many years and just loved how it worked. Thanks everybody so much for tuning in to this live podcast. For those of you who I didn't get to your questions, make sure you tune in and start asking questions earlier during the feed, um, and we'll go from there. I appreciate everyone so much. Uh, thanks for tuning in, and I hope all of you have a good weekend. I know that uh, I'm freaking jacked right now to see this UFC fight. I want to see what happens with Connor and Diaz. So, uh Knock on, everybody. Be sure to visit knockonarchery.com to see our entire line of trendy knock-on lifestyle clothing. Knockonarchery.com.